Hebrews chapter number 9. If you join me there, Hebrews chapter number 9. If you need a copy of the Scriptures, there's one in front of you in the back of the pew. We'd love for you to follow along with us. Morning's message we take from Hebrews chapter number 9. Uh, the message is simply entitled, as you'll see up, up above behind me, it's simply entitled, Now Appearing, and uh, Jesus Christ. We'll get into it. We'll understand what it means as Paul writes this chapter in Hebrews. I trust that it'll be a good challenge to you. Appreciate you being here this morning. really mean that. And I'm going to a lot going on in the fall time, and uh, I know it is a sacrifice in many ways to be in the Lord's house, but I think it is also imperative that you and I be in the Lord's house, and uh, we follow the Lord in that way, and His commands, the Scripture, appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord's house. Now, we often hear this uh, advertised, okay, now appearing in uh, this person, whether it be a celebrity, maybe a famous athlete, there's Matthew Stafford, hey, he's going to be at this uh, store or whatever dealership for this day and this day only, one night, one night appearance only. We hear that advertised a lot and people saying, okay, this is going to happen. This person's going to be there. You don't want to miss it. There will be an appearance by that celebrity, that athlete, and so forth. I remember this past summer when LeBron James, if you don't know who he is, it's probably better that you don't. But anyway, famous basketball player. Uh, he just went to the LA Lakers and back this summer as he was going there, he made a tweet, okay? And uh, he tweeted out that about a restaurant that was having a promotion and the tweet, people read into it that LeBron James said that he he was going to be at that restaurant during that promotion. Thousands of people showed up. They showed up hours ahead of time. They showed up and they crammed around that restaurant only to find out LeBron James never showed up. And, uh, and he, they were unhappy and he never intended that he was going to be there. But they thought, what? Hey, LeBron James is going to show up. He's going to make an appearance. And so that was a big deal for those folks. And we see that maybe if it's a political rally and, and the advertisers of the political rally say, hey, President Trump, the President of the United States is going to show up. He's going to make an appearance sometime during this rally and maybe people would go to see the president maybe they'd go to see what comes out of his mouth whatever the case may be um, they're going to go because he's going to make an appearance that that's the draw that's what gets the attention and we might say it, it it's anticipatory there's anticipation over someone making an appearance well there's some appearances mentioned in scripture that i think warrant our attention as believers it warrants our anticipation, and yea, some appearances that warrant our appreciation. If you're a believer here this morning, I, I want to share with you some appearances that I think that you and I should pay attention to, that we should anticipate if they have not already occurred, the ones that haven't, and then also we should ought to appreciate the ones that have already occurred. Now, I'll tell you, the message I share with you this morning uh, actually comes from a, uh, a message of a preacher long gone up to heaven. And I was reading it this week, and the Lord just really spoke to my heart through this passage, through that message. And so I want to share with you what the Lord laid on my heart and, and parts of this message born out of Hebrews chapter number 9 concerning some appearances. You see, in this passage, now catch it, I, I wrote uh, the title of the message, Now Appearing. Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you, my friend, right away, that ought to garner our attention. He's more important than any political uh, candidate. He's more important than any celebrity, more important than any athlete. Thank you. All right. That was pretty sore, <laughs> pretty weak. Did you just hear what I said? Jesus Christ is more important than any candidate, any athlete, any celebrity. Okay. He is. But my, we grow so accustomed to it, don't we? Uh, we might 
run, if we think our favorite football player or our favorite celebrity or our favorite political candidate is going to make an appearance somewhere, boy, we could get real excited about that. Can I tell you this morning, you and I ought to be excited about the appearances of Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage, there isn't just one. There's not just two appearances of Christ. There's three appearances of Christ that Paul mentions. I think it's a tremendous truth that Paul bears out in just about three or four verses here. Let's first look at verse number 26, if you will, with me. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Paul writes this, speaking of Jesus Christ. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as would be commonly assessed, we would call this appearance of Jesus Christ. Number one, his first appearance, which we would call his past appearance. The past appearance of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul refers to in verse 26. It's already happened. And as, as he said, now once in the end of the world hath he appeared past tense, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The verse teaches us that before our time here today, that Christ has appeared in the past. And he came to earth to do what? Did you catch what the verse said? To put away sins. Now listen to me very carefully. If I were to ask you today, or uh, let's say this, let's say I walk outside the church, we walk down to Fostoria town proper, and we caught somebody there out in front of the little store or wherever walking the sidewalk, and we went up to them and said, listen, as a human being, what is your greatest enemy today? What is your greatest enemy? What is the thing that threatens you more than anything else? Some might say, well, it's, it's health, it's cancer, it's, it's some kind of disease that uh, challenges us. It's just making a living, surviving. That's, that's like, kind of like the greatest enemy. Some might say, oh, it's ISIS. <laughs> you know, uh, they're coming, or it's China, or it's Russia, or whatever the de- description may be. The thought, the opinion in their mind is their greatest enemy. You and I might say, well, you know, Satan is our greatest enemy. And, and yea, he is a great enemy. But can I remind you or inform you this morning that the greatest enemy of the human race is sin. Because it is sin that condemns us to hell. That separates us from God. It is sin that came and, and from the Garden of Eden forward and onward. It is sin that is our greatest enemy. And Satan wants to keep us captive in that, doesn't he? But it's sin that's our greatest enemy. And so when we read this verse, that Jesus Christ hath appeared to do what? To put away sin. Now that ought to encourage us, shouldn't it? That's a great thought. The Greek word here translated as uh, put away uh, is the idea, carries the idea of setting aside. It literally is, and I love this, it means to displace. Now, do you remember back in science class? You remember learning about the displacement theory and Archimedes principle and all that? Shake your head no, because I don't either. But there is such things. I was in my doctor's appointment this past week, and the, the, this professor at U of M started talking about all these things, and I'm just nodding my head like I understand what he's talking about. Because you remember this, and, and this science class, when you're, you're science, he did this, I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I don't remember any of that. But, but we learned back in, in science class what we might call the displacement theory, okay? So if, if you were to take a tube or a glass of water or some other liquid, and you were then to, to take an object, 
and you were to place it within the water, well, the level of the water increases, okay? It's the water is literally displaced by the object. Archimedes principle then allows you to then take the information to derive the volume of uh, the object and all this good stuff that we don't really care about this Sunday morning, okay? But notice that we know this. Anytime you drop an object in, the water keeps slowly moving up because it's displaced. It's moved out of that uh, that place by the object that's dropped in. You say, well, what's the point of that? Well, listen very carefully. The Greek word in this passage, when it says to put away sins, it literally means to displace sins. Now, I sure am thankful, as even this illustration shows, that Christ came to displace your sin on your account. See, we've been talking about this on Wednesday night, and as we studied Romans, the reality is, because you and I are, uh, we are born sinners, we choose to sin, and we do sin, we're sinners, the Bible says that, so we have sin in our account. We could say that's like the water in this cup, but I'll tell you, my friend, I sure am glad that Jesus Christ came along, and on the cross of Calvary, through our faith in His sacrifice, that this verse alludes to, and through that first appearance of Christ, you know what He made it possible? That on your account, in my account, that sin was displaced by the righteousness of God. So in your account, in my account, there's sin no longer found. It is displaced. It's moved out of its place. And when God looks at you and I in our account, he sees the righteousness of God. Now I'll tell you, man, friend, a cup of water and some golf balls can't display that and illustrate it as good as it is. But that's a good thing. That on your account and my account, but now God sees the righteousness of God. We ought to be thankful for that. See, the Bible tells us through His perfect sacrifice, what happens to our sins? You know the descriptions in the Scripture? I believe it's Isaiah. It says that our sins are cast behind His back. It says that our sins are cast into the depths of the sea. They are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. And they are forgiven and they are forgotten. That's God's promise. How did that happen? It only happened, my friend, because Jesus Christ appeared to put away sins. His appearance. We ought to praise God for it. Adding to the great news is this truth. His sin now made it possible, or excuse me, His appearance now made it possible for us to avoid and escape the penalty of sin. We understand the penalty of sin is death, that, that you and I, we in our sin deserve eternity and hell separated from God, spiritual death. But now we can be delivered from the penalty of sin. Why? Because our sins are put away. They're displaced by God's righteousness. We get to escape death and hell, which is that penalty because of his perfect sacrifice, because of his appearance on our behalf. It also opened the gates of heaven for you and me to all people who believe. It's a wonderful truth, but it's only true to those who make Jesus Christ their Savior through faith. You see, we've got to understand this. And friend, can I encourage you to get this understanding this morning? The cross of Calvary, where Jesus Christ made the greatest sacrifice in offering His blood and His body for your sins and for mine, made salvation possible, but it is only faith that makes salvation actual in your life. See, that made it possible, and praise God, He is the only one, Jesus Christ is the only one that could pay the penalty of sins. He is the perfect sacrifice. But, oh friend, the only way it is actual in your life is through you putting your faith and trust in Christ. 
boy, Christ's appearance, this first one did so much for us. But it's only going to be personally impactful if we believe in Christ through faith alone. See, the simple truth is a perfect Savior made a perfect sacrifice for all sin so that you and I could obtain a perfect salvation. That's the free gift. Aren't you thankful for Jesus Christ's past appearance this morning? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ left heaven? And as even Philippians and others tell us, he humbled himself. He took on the form of man and he came here to appear for you and me. I sure am thankful for that. His appearance. Let me put it this way. And I've concisely put this. I wish you would write this down. These statements that I give you after each of these appearances, maybe in the margin of your Bible, maybe on a separate sheet. I'll give them to you now. I'll give them to you at the end of the service. But I think they're great statements. I've tweaked them a little bit from the original. And so understand what we're talking about in the first appearance, the past appearance of Jesus Christ. Here's what it is. The first appearance was past and permanent. When he came to to do away with sins, boy, it is permanent. It's past and permanent, and through it, we have our salvation from the penalty of sin. He provides the perfect sacrifice made for sin. You'll see as we see each one of these appearances, we'll make uh, alliterated statements here, and you'll see how they all go together. The key is here, it's past and it's permanent. And it delivers us from the penalty of sin. And in that appearance, he provided the perfect sacrifice for your sin and for mine. That's why the appearance of Jesus Christ ought to be appreciated. We ought to get excited about a simple truth such as this. It was powerful and wonderful. But do you know this? Jesus Christ is even appearing now. Uh Uh-oh. Pastor Henry, that sounds like heresy. Did you see Jesus this morning? If so, you have a meeting with the deacons after the morning service. Uh, Now listen, careful, okay? Jesus Christ is appearing right now. He has an appearance right now. Now listen to me and listen to what Paul says. He makes a very good statement here. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures, a picture, a representation of the true, but into heaven itself, now to, what's the next word? Appear. Where? In the presence of God. What's the next two words? For us. For us. Can I tell you what Christ's next appearance is? It's a present appearance. It's a present appearance. First of the past. Now, this is a present appearance of Christ taken from verse 24. It's happening right now, this moment. Sunday morning, October 14th, Jesus Christ is appearing in the throne room of God. He is God. We understand that. And yet, He is acting as the person of the Trinity, of the Godhead of Christ, on our behalf. This is a great truth. He is our advocate. He is our mediator. You have a Savior in heaven that is appearing on your behalf. Can I tell you, there isn't a lawyer or an advocate anywhere in the world that I would take before Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that he is my advocate. He's my lawyer, a spiritual lawyer, if you want to put it that way, in heaven. We understand. Let's, let's understand the context of his appearance in heaven on my behalf. First John chapter number two tells us that God desires you and I to live sin free. 
that we're to strive to be free of sin. We've been freed from the penalty of sin. So now you and I are encouraged through the power of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to live without sin. In fact, he says we ought to walk in the light, not in darkness. Because we're supposed to walk in the light, having fellowship with him who is in the light. But reality is this, the fact is, because we have this old sinful nature, we are surrounded by a world cursed with sin, we have an enemy, the devil, who wants us to sin, to become captive against us, again to sin daily. The fact is, we often do sin. We falter, we fail. Now, we strive not to, and that's, that ought to be our goal and our desire, but we do fail. Now, what's interesting here is we see in this passage... When you and I sin, sin accuses us. In fact, somehow, someway, I I certainly don't uh, proclaim or or claim to know how it all works, but somehow the devil still apparently in one way or another accuses the brethren before God. He tries to to smear us. We know what a smear campaign is, right? (laughs) Here in America. Uh, We know what a smear campaign is. Can I tell you, the devil is doing a smear campaign on every believer. He's trying to make us look bad to God. Look, look at that sin. Look what he does. This. Look. We saw it in Job. And we understand from the, even the New Testament that there is some aspect where he is the accuser of the brethren. A smear campaign. Can I tell you, as our names are mentioned, our sinful deeds presented, there is one that stands up on our behalf. See, We have a Savior who's appearing in heaven for us right now. You see that word translated as appear there in verse 24? It's different than the other Greek words translated in this chapter as appear or appeared. It means to make oneself manifest, to be viewed, literally to shine on. So when we sin, we're accused before God. Yeah, you can just imagine the devil or, or even our sin because God knows our sin. He knows our heart. He knows everything we do. He knows every sin that we commit. And as it comes up to heaven or as the devil accuses us, can I tell you, my friend, as it's presented there, the fact is 1 John 1, 9 says this, confess your sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as that is the case, and as you and I take God up on his offer of cleansing from daily sin, here's what happens. Now listen to me very carefully. As that sin reaches heaven, however aspect that is, if it's Satan accusing us before God, here's the reality. Can I just picture it for you? There is Jesus Christ. And okay, let's pick on Pastor Aaron. Okay? Pastor Aaron, it's hard to believe, let's just say that he actually sinned this week. Okay? That reaches heaven. And boy, the devil goes to town on it. Hey, that pastor Aaron, he calls himself a pastor. God, did you really die to redeem him? Do you know what he said or what he fought? You know, and whatever it is. And, and it reaches heaven and, and it breaks our heart. And, and as Pastor Aaron, boy, he confesses that sin and he turns it over to God. And as that sin reaches, you know what happens? Jesus Christ stands up on Brother Aaron's behalf. My friend, you can have no better person stand up on your behalf. You say, what does he do, Pastor Henry? What, 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 what happens there in heaven? Well, he simply does this. Listen carefully. He simply presents the sacrifice that he made on the cross of Calvary for all sin. 
He just says, you know what? That's paid for. When I died on the cross, as Pastor Aaron put his faith and trust in me, that sin is paid for. It's accounted for. It's not on his account anymore. He stands up. He speaks up. Christ makes himself manifest there in heaven. What did it say? Read it again in verse 24. Now to appear in the presence of God. Why? For us. For you. For me. For Pastor Aaron. For every single believer who sins. And now we think, oh no, what's happening? My fellowship is broken with God because there's sin between my Savior and I. And praise be to God as we confess it and we repent. What happens? Jesus Christ stands up in heaven and says, hey, that's under the blood. And I'll tell you, my friend, that silences the devil and that puts away every sin. It's off your account. It's off my account. And now fellowship is restored with our God all through what? Jesus Christ. Him appearing in heaven for us as our advocate. What is he pleading? Well, Pastor Aaron, boy, he's a really good guy. You should see all the good work he does at Fostoria Baptist Church. And he has a heart of gold. And, and uh, listen, God the Father, I'm telling you, he's just a good guy. We can look over his sin this time. Yeah, he does so much good work and he's such a good guy. We can look over. That's not what Christ says. You know what he says? On the merit of what I did on the cross of Calvary, his sin is covered. And he says the same one for every single one of us. And I'll tell you, my friend, again, forgive my reiteration and my repetition, but there's no greater person to appear on our behalf than Jesus Christ. Whether here on earth, whether in heaven above. And so he does. And Can, can I just interject a little bit of a doctrine here, too? Now, don't go to sleep. It's a double advocacy. This is amazing. As we think about Jesus Christ appearing in heaven as our advocate, the one who is going on our behalf for us before God Almighty, claiming the merits of his sacrifice, making intercession for us, however you want to describe it, as he tirelessly works, as we sin, he works to restore our fellowship with God. Can I tell you, we also have an advocate here below? In Romans chapter 8, you know what we're told? The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's, he's interceding on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is here with us, indwelling us in our hearts, working, making intercession for us, helping us, attempting to help us, keep us from sin, helping us know how to pray. He is our advocate. Can I tell you, boy, we have it good, Christian. We have Jesus Christ, our advocate in heaven, and we have the advocate of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, helping us to, 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 to keep away from sin and, and helping us to pray as we ought to pray and helping us, guiding us into all truth. I mean, I sure am thankful for what God has given us. I've said it before, and I'll tell you, with every day I live and every time, in, in, in every instance of my growth and my relationship with God, I come to realize that I got a good deal in salvation. That isn't just, hey, I'm going to heaven one day, praise God, that's fantastic. And that is, my friend, that's wonderful. But I'm telling you, even today, I'm reaping the benefits of salvation. My advocate, Jesus Christ in heaven, the advocate of the Holy Spirit in my heart, helping me live as I ought to live. We are doubly blessed. But listen to me, friend, very carefully. This morning, if you are not a believer, if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did doing his 
first appearance on the cross of Calvary. I want you to understand this. You are accused by your sin, possibly even accused by Satan before. And you know what heaven sounds like when your sin reaches there? Do you know what happens when the devil accuses you, friend, there in heaven? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like this. It's called silence. Because Jesus Christ cannot stand up and say, they put their faith and trust in me. That sin is covered. So if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith and trust in Christ, when your sin reaches heaven, friend, there's nothing to offer on your behalf. Now listen, Jesus Christ made it possible. He did what He and only He could do. He died on the cross of Calvary to make it possible for His righteousness to be applied to your account, for your sins to be displaced. But oh, my friend, it becomes actual when you put your faith and trust in Him. He becomes your advocate. He becomes your, your intercessor when you put your faith and trust in Him. But if you're not saved this morning, oh, my friend, you need to come put your faith and trust in Christ. What He did on the cross of Calvary. Allow him to become your advocate, the one who steps, stands up for you even in heaven. But I'll tell you, my friend, Christian, don't we have a good this morning? Aren't we blessed? See, every time you and I sin this coming week, every time we confess it this week, you and I can know this. In that moment, Jesus Christ is appearing on our behalf in heaven. Forgive me, I'm blown away by it. That Stephen Henry would matter enough to Jesus Christ that, that when, when I think something I ought not to think, when I lose my temper and I say something, I react in a way I ought not to, or whatever the case may be, whatever the sin may be, that as I say, man, Father, I am so weak, I am so sorry, I should have never said that. I, 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 please forgive me. In that moment, for Stephen Henry... Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, stands up in heaven and says, Hey, Father, that Stephen Henry character, his sin's under the blood. Man, I'll tell you, I'm nothing special. You know that. Neither are most of you. Any of us. But I'm sure I'm glad that I'm something special to Jesus Christ. You have an advocate. I have an advocate. And I'm so thankful for his second appearance, his present appearance here in heaven for us. Quickly, here's the statement we get attached to it. See, the second appearing, as the first one was past and permanent, this is present and progressive. In other words, you, you don't get a note, an email from heaven, you've reached your allotted advocacy. Can you please deposit more, like a regular lawyer in the world. <laughs> Please send more money. No, it is progressive. This whole week, you sin once, you sin ten times. Jesus Christ, as you confess it and forsake it, Jesus Christ is appearing for you. It's, it's ongoing. Notice it, and through it, we have our salvation from what now? The power of sin. Listen to me. We have been saved in salvation, putting our faith in Jesus Christ from the penalty of sin. Guess what daily we are saved from through Jesus Christ? The power of sin. You know what sin desires if sin can desire something? You know what Satan desires for sin to do in your life, Christian? Is to break your fellowship with God. That's the power of sin. To separate you from God. 
before we were saved, we are separated for all of eternity from God. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are now reconciled to Christ or to God through Christ. And as we're reconciled to Him, now we are in a relationship with God. Satan hates it. Sin is defeated. But you and I now in this sin-cursed earth, fighting our old sinful nature, we can sin. And we can give sin some of its power back. It can never separate us from God for all of eternity. That's taken it care of in our faith and in our salvation. But I'll tell you, on a daily basis, when we entertain sin in our lives, it has power to separate us from God. The Bible says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin has come between me and my Savior. And so that is the power of sin. But I sure am thankful. As I confess and forsake it, Jesus Christ stands up in heaven on my behalf, and that fellowship is restored. And the power of sin, by the sacrifice and the appearance of Christ, is rendered null and void. The last statement is this. He pleads the merits of His perfect sacrifice on our behalf when we sin. I say it again, boy, do we have it good as Christians. You see, each of these appearances are awesome. They ought to be appreciated much by each one of us. But there is an appearance of Christ, as you well know, that is to be anticipated. That's his third one. The past, the present, and obviously the prospective appearance of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 28, same passage, verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto him that looked for him, Lotus said, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Mm. What a promise. See, one of the underlying themes of the book of Hebrews, if you've ever studied the book of Hebrews, one of the underlying themes is actually this future appearance of Jesus Christ. It is what we call this morning the third appearance, but it is his second appearance, as the verse says, here on earth. But throughout the entire book, there's this underlying theme of it. Look ahead, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. Look at verse 37, just a page over for most of us. It says this. It's a good statement, right? For yet a little while, and speaking of Christ, in he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So he's coming, again, this perspective appearance of God. In fact, it's a major theme throughout the entire New Testament. But listen carefully. Keep your spot there. Look at that verse in a second uh, again. But one of the major teachings that is coupled with the teaching of Christ's appearance, perspective, future appearance, the second coming to Christ, a teaching that always goes along with it or often goes along with it. You know what it is? It's patience. Patience. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you need to work on patience? Pastor, hurry up and get the sermon over with. Why don't you just preach on something I need? Patience. Now, look at the verse before this, verse 36. Notice the statement, verse 36. For ye have need of patience. (laughs) You have need of it. That after ye have done the will of God, that's what we're supposed to be doing now, you might receive the promise. What's the promise? Verse 37. For yet a little while, he's going to come. Just wait. He's not going to tarry. Christ is coming again. It's the appearance of Christ that you and I are called to wait patiently for. Now listen, back at verse 28 of chapter 9. Verse 28. 
I love this verse. It's wonderful in its presentation of both the first and second coming of Jesus Christ to earth. Okay, You may not have caught it, but it's here. Paul writes first, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That's his first coming, the first appearance, right? His first coming to earth, the incarnation. He died on the cross. And then it obviously refers to the final installment. He speaks to those of us who are looking for him that we shall see him come a what? A second time to earth with the end goal of being our complete and final salvation. Coming in rapture and then eventually coming to establish the millennial kingdom as described in Revelation. We understand that. The final installment. Now here's the key for you and I. It's the final installment of our salvation. The penalty of sin. That's what we were. his first appearance dealt with. His second appearance now in heaven on our behalf is dealing with the power of sin. You and I no longer have to live as slaves to sin. It doesn't have to have power over us. We can now have a restored fellowship and relationship with God on a daily basis. Praise God. This third now, here's the beauty of it. The third is now to deliver us what? From the presence of sin. See, this promise is when he comes, he's going to take us home to heaven with him. We're going to be taken away from sin without and sin around us once and for all. Now, listen to me very, very carefully. Can I just tell you the top three things that I personally am looking forward to about heaven? These things cause me to increasingly yearn for heaven on a daily basis. The older I get, and unfortunately it just happened recently, the older I get, I'm telling you, these are the things that make me look forward to heaven more than anything. Now listen to me. Number one, number one on the list is this. I'm looking forward to being with my God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that isn't cliche. That isn't, well, Pastor, you've got to say that because you're preaching. No, no, I say that because I know Jesus Christ. I am not perfect in my relationship with him. Far from it. But I will tell you this. I am looking forward to being with God. Let me just illustrate it. I know my wife, Erica, loves me. In some ways, in many ways, it is unconditional. And so I yearn to be with Erica. I, I want to be in her presence. Boy, a missions trip or sometime I'm away from her. I look forward to getting back and being with my wife, being with Erica. Because why? She loves me like no one else here on earth. And so, boy, I, I enjoy being with her. I enjoy being with my kids. I can mess up. And with Erica, I can mess up with my kids and, and lose my, my temper, whatever. Get on to be whatever the case may be. And they still love me. Now, I'll tell you, many of you don't love me like that. I might say one thing wrong, or I might not say anything wrong at all, and you still don't like me. But not them. That's why I love being with my family. I like being with you folks, too, but I'm telling you, that's a whole nother of being with. (laughs) I enjoy that. I I, I look forward to being with my family. Can I tell you, they don't even love me like God loves me. My God loves me than any more than any person here on earth could love me. My God has done more for me than any person here on earth could do for me. And so that's why I look forward to seeing my God face to face. You talking about someone who loves me? That's my God. My Savior who died for me. 
So it makes heaven yearned for. You know what else? Secondly, I've said it before, but I'm telling you, every day it grows greater. I'm looking forward to rest from our labors on this sin-cursed earth. There's a rest unto the people of God. That's what heaven is. I'm looking forward to taking that spiritual... I'm going to get home. Not home to my house, home to heaven. I look forward to heaven because of it. And then last but not least, of the top three, this is just the top three, there's dozens of reasons why I look forward to heaven. Hey, number three, and we studied these on our study of heaven, but number three is what this passage bears out. What his appearing, his, his future appearing, his perspective appearing is all about is to be done once and for all with sin. Be done. You know what I like about getting older? The only thing I like about getting older? Except future discounts for being a senior? Anyway. uh, You know what else I like about getting older? Every day. Every day that passes. I get one day closer to rest. I get one day closer to being without sin. Now I'll tell you, young people, you say, Pastor Henry, I don't get that, man. I, I still have a lot of life to live. This is, you know, I got, I got to get married. I got to do this. I understand that. But friend, I'll tell you right now, if you will understand that sin is your greatest enemy, you'll look at that every day that passes that gets you closer to heaven without sin. You will. It'll thrill your heart. It makes heaven sweeter. It makes you and I say, whoa, that's what I am looking forward to. And I'll tell you, my friend, as the song or the hymn puts it, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. What a day that will be when my labors are complete. And what a day that will be when I no longer have to fight and resist my greatest enemy, sin. I'm looking forward to it. Yet we can't miss the exhortation of this verse. Did you catch what verse 28 encourages you and I to do? It says this, look for his appearing. You don't have to look for it. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, you know what he says? Love is appearing. Love is appearing. Look for it and love it. You know, say, Pastor Henry, uh, how does that work? Well, let's take back to our illustration at the beginning of our message. Okay? If the President of the United States is coming, if some celebrity is coming, some athlete is coming. See, people will hear about that. And what do they do? Listen carefully. They will alter their day, their week, all about it. They'll show up hours ahead of time just to get a good spot. Just to catch a glimpse of that celebrity, that athlete, that, uh, that uh, presidential candidate, whatever the case may be. They will alter. They will live in light, at least for a day, maybe a week, in light of that appearance. Now, can I tell you that though they do not know Jesus Christ, those people have an idea what it means to love somebody's appearing, to look for somebody's appearing. They've altered their very life according to that appearance, that one-time appearance. They've ordered their life according to it. Like all those people that showed up for anticipating LeBron James showing up, and even though he never did, they altered their lives. They ordered their day, even their week, around that appearance. So the Bible puts great emphasis on you and I to live and to labor in light of the appearance of Jesus Christ. 
See, Christ already appeared. He put away sins. He's appearing now in heaven. And oh, my friend, just as these appearances have happened, are happening, you can be guaranteed his future appearance is going to happen. And so now you and I are called to live in light and to labor in light of that truth. So do you? Has it altered our lives, our living? Do we allow our lives to be ordered around? Wow, Jesus Christ could appear tonight, today, this week. And what do we know? Only those things which are done for Christ will last. We'll give an account how we spend our time, whether it's wood, hay, and stubble, whether it's gold and precious. We're going to give an account for how we've lived this time. And so are, are we living with his appearance in mind? Do we really believe Jesus when he said this? Surely I come quickly. We know that only what's done for him will last. As a Christian, man, it reminds you what a promise and hope we have. See, that's why Paul, he nailed it. Paul nailed it. He talked about this appearance. You know what he called it? He called it the glorious appearing. He said it was a blessed hope. That we have. What's our statement? Let's add a third statement and we're done. Notice it. The third appearance is perspective. And my friend, it is perfect. Because we are delivered from sin once and for all. The penalty, the power, everything. In the presence. That's what it goes on to say. Through which we will have our salvation from the entire presence of sin. What does he do? And I love this statement. Man, what a great statement. He then presents the fruit of his perfect sacrifice to the Father. And that fruit is free from sin. I have some pretty uh, neglected apple trees in our front yard. I was looking at it the other day and I was like, man, is there at least one perfect apple on this tree? Every time I grabbed an apple, boy, there'd be a spot here, a wormhole there, a rotten part here. Nothing was, was perfect on any of those apples. You know, you know what the fruit of a sacrifice is, number one? Look around. We are the fruit of a sacrifice. And here's the reality. I, okay. I remember the first time that I introduced, and certainly my parents already knew of Erica and so forth, but I remember when I introduced Erica to my parents. The day is coming where Jesus Christ is going to present his bride to the Father. And he's going to do so. His bride is going to be pure and without sin through his sacrifice. See, that's you and me. That's his third appearance. I'll tell you, my friend, I sure do look forward to that. Because that's you and me. We're the bride of Christ if we put our faith and trust in Christ. Hey, in case you missed it, here they all are. Let me repeat them. I think they're, I think they're very important for us to, to, to remember, to write them down. To, okay, Christ has appeared three times. So I remember, first appearance, again, past and, pre- and permanent. And through it, we have our salvation from the penalty of sin. Number two, the second appearing, it's present and it's progressive. And through it, what do we have? Salvation from the power of sin. And praise be to God, his third appearance is coming. It's perspective and it is perfect. And we will have through it our salvation from the entire presence of sin. Man, what a great truth. Then those last three statements noted, the last three statements we see is simply this. He provides his first appearance in that he provided the perfect sacrifice made for sin. No other sacrifice could be made for your sin and mine. Secondly, you know what else he does? He pleads now. The present, 
present appearance. He pleads our, on our behalf His merits when we sin. And then last but not least, He presents you and I as the fruits of His perfect sacrifice to the Father as free. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? Free from sin. Hey, now appearing, Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for it this morning?